What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Seifter, and I am joined, as always, by my main man, Bart Wheeler. Bart, how's it going tonight? It's good, Andrew. The uh, last time we talked, it was uh, it was raining, and then uh, today it decided to rain a little bit more down here. And um, it wasn't the like light pitter patter we had last time. It was I, I was afraid we were going to have a little monsoon blowing while we were <laughs> talking here tonight, but I think maybe it stopped for now. But again, we talked about it last time. I like the rain, and it's uh, it's it's been weird weather lately. But it's been cold today. I don't know how it was for you uh, yesterday. It was probably a little cold. Up in Boston, huh? It was cold, but we didn't get that rain today. I I uh, noticed that it was raining down there because uh, that Nats game got got postponed. Um, yep. But up here in Boston, it was uh, it was not a bad day actually. And this is uh, for those of you who are not New Englanders. Uh, this is a special day in Boston. It's Patriots Day. We're recording here Monday evening. Uh, it's a holiday for us and for no one else. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's a, it's a great day. The, the Red Sox play at 11 a.m. and uh, the Boston Marathon runs uh, one runs through town. So uh, I took my daughter uh, to go scope out the marathon because that's uh, what my cool. parents used to do. Take me to see that when I was a kid. So um, it's fun, man. It's you know what my my dad had it as like a science. What he used to do, he used to. Uh, have us watch it on tv uh no actually what we do is we'd go and watch the them run at about the halfway point mm-hmm. uh and then we like the leaders and then we'd come home and watch the end and get to see those same those same guys and gals uh that's cool finish the race so uh didn't do that today today i watched the uh the leaders on tv it was actually a pretty compelling finish with the women there were two women going back and forth at the very end. I've never seen oh, man. that sort of drama in a 26-mile race before. Oh, oh, no uh, but it was fun. Yeah. 20, 26.2. Okay. Don't forget about I don't want to I don't want to skimp on that that oh. point 2. <laughs> no, definitely not. I'll tell you my my wife let me know about that. She she ran she she was a swimmer uh, at University of Richmond and then so she was naturally a good runner, you know, after that. She did a lot of distance and so she ran some half marathons and she decided to run a marathon once here in Richmond. And she trained for it and ran really well. And then she was kind of like, all right, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, 26.2. <laughs> I I couldn't do it, man. I never No could. way. I'm pretty impressed. I, I mean, I saw some people out there that must have been 70 years old. Right. Who knows? I mean, they were, they were, it was impressive what those people were doing. I can't imagine how much training it must take to, to, uh, to uh, do that when you're at that age. I know. Gosh, I, my, my wheelhouse when I've gotten into running is sort of like a 5k, you know, and like I could train for like a 10k. I, I couldn't do a half marathon or I mean, I could, if I trained for it, but it's, I have no desire to, I'll say, and I don't know that a marathon is everything, anything I'll ever do. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. I'm more of a short area sprinter <laughs> <laughs> on yeah. the tennis court. Mostly not, not, not so much, uh, racing. Although my, my dad was, uh, was a track star in the hundred yard dash. So I, oh, it's nice. at least in my jeans somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we got, uh, we got plenty of baseball to talk here again. Um, oh, yeah. as, it, as we do on Mondays, we're going to, we're going to look at the, uh, this week's waiver wire. Uh, we'll start off with my article up at fantasy pros, uh, looking at the top pickups. Um, but I wrote that article Saturday night. So there might also be a couple other names, uh, that come to mind over these last couple days. I can already think of one I want to talk about, um, but we'll just we'll just kind of go through it and uh, 
see what you think about the names I brought up and if there's anyone else that you want to bring into the conversation. Um, But again, we're sort of uh, focusing on primarily 10 and 12 team leagues, but some of these uh, pickups will also be deeper leagues. I do have a section looking at players who are rostered in 10% or fewer of Yahoo leagues. uh, So that will cover those deeper leagues as well. Um, So let's just jump right into it. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, uh, as I mentioned at the top of my article, um, you know, I try to focus on players who are uh, rostered in less than 50% of Yahoo leagues. Um, But there were a few guys who were over that threshold uh, who have been pretty hot waiver wire names uh, recently. So, I do want to at least mention those guys. And that's uh, Carlos Carrasco, Kyle Wright, Jesus Lazardo, Owen Miller, and Daniel Bard. Uh, I think all those guys are worth picking up. We've talked about uh, Miller before. We've talked about Bard uh, and Wright. Um, but Carrasco, you know, that's a guy that's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. I, mm-hmm. I really like him. I always have. And he seems to be back in form. So forever, however long he's healthy, I, I kind of like him as a pickup as well. Yeah, he's still about 60% rostered. Um, a couple of the younger guys like Wright and Luzardo are now over 70% rostered. So they're really getting up there. Uh, Bard is actually... 66% rostered, so people are not afraid to to grab the closer there in core. So, yeah, these are all guys who were, you know, around that 50% mark or a little less just a week ago, and they're they're just moving right on up. Uh, you know, Tyler McGill, we talked about, he's now 87% rostered. So <laughs> some mm-hmm. of these guys we talked about before, yeah, they're just, you got to jump on some of these guys early, especially these young guys who really can break out. Absolutely. And then there were some guys I mentioned in my, my waiver column the previous week who are still under 50% rostered, who I'm, I'm sticking with. I'd be curious to see what you think. I mean, guys like, so C.J. Abrams, he's not been playing every day. Right. Um, but I still feel like the upside justifies rostering him. Uh, Alejandro Kirk has kind of got off to a slow start, but I still love the situation uh, with Danny Jansen on the IL. I think it's he's even more locked into everyday playing time. Uh, I just I like the skill set with that kid, and I, I think he absolutely should be rostered uh, as a catcher uh, in even 10- and 12-team leagues. Uh, Matt Brash had a little bit of wildness in his most recent <laughs> outing, but I still love the talent there, so I I would probably hold on to him. Yeah, six walks, but, I mean, he went he went five and a third in each of his first two starts, gave up two earned runs, had six strikeouts and five strikeouts. So, yeah, I agree. You know, definitely pick up Matt Brash. Don't leave yeah. him on your waiver wire. Yeah. Um, and then what do you think about Tommy Pham? I mean, he, he, he's been off to an ice cold start so far. Um, would you be willing to let go of him if he's a player you drafted coming into the season? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. He's a guy who before the season, I was thinking like he could be a sleeper in Cincinnati to to be like a, a 2020 type guy. And I guess the, the caveat there is it looks like he's only played one game in Cincinnati. So um, they've had a lot of away games to start the year, it looks like. So, yeah, maybe maybe hold on a little bit and see how he does um, in Great American Ballpark. He has one stolen base so far. So, yeah, maybe maybe wait another week on fam. He's only got one hit. So, you know, if he's already got one stolen base, if, if he gets a stolen base for every hit, then I think over time that will be a lot of stolen bases. Yeah. That's true. I, yeah, me- I mean, I would be patient. I You know, it'd be one thing if he wasn't running. Um but you just can't really say that when he hasn't been on base at all. I, I think yeah. he's just off. You know, some of these guys start the season in, in a cold streak. Some end the season in a cold streak. It all counts the same, you know? Yep. 
Yeah, so, uh, Akil uh, Badu, same thing. You know, I, he's still a guy I have pretty high hopes for, so I don't think I'd be bailing on him. And I'd stay patient with O'Neill Cruz and wait for that call up because you're going to want him the minute he gets that call. Yep, absolutely. I know you like uh, Jeremy Pena is on your list too that we talked about him before. And yep, he's he's an everyday shortstop uh, basically. So, yep, he's he's definitely still worth rostering as well. Absolutely. Um, all right, so why don't we talk? Jump into the names I, I uh, let off with in the column. Uh, yeah. It was another Padre prospect <laughs> who I started <laughs> off with once again, Mackenzie Gore. Uh, and you know his first start uh, was pretty solid, but uh, I feel like we haven't seen the best of him quite yet. I mean that. The fastball velocity uh, was very impressive. Um, average 95.6 miles per hour on that fastball. Topped out at 98.5. So he's definitely bringing the heat. Um, he threw that pitch most uh, pretty heavily at 72.6% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was facing a tough Atlanta lineup, but he still limited them to two runs on three hits and five and a third. Uh, only three strikeouts in this outing, but... Uh, the stuff really isn't a question with him in my in my mind. It's really just the only real question I have with him. Obviously, with a rookie, you need to see how quickly they can get acclimated. But um, the other thing, of course, is just the rotation spot and how long he'll yeah. he'll be able to hold on to one. But um, you know, this is a guy who was a top three overall prospect in the game at one point. He he dropped down the rankings because he had some bumps in the road with uh, his mechanics along the way. Um, but the pure stuff was always there. And I I just, I feel like as long as he's in the major league rotation, he has to be on a fantasy roster. Yeah, I would agree. And that, that's exactly the concern with him. Um, it's funny. I know we talked about with Logan Gilbert about, um, guys who look like lefties, but aren't. And Mackenzie Gore is a lefty and I could have sworn he was a righty (laughs) just by looking (laughs) at him. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Did you see, uh, do you see that guy that looks like, uh, Clayton Kershaw when he throws people have been tweeting that video out I think it's oh a, no I haven't seen a Guardians prospect oh no does he look yeah. does he look just like Kershaw yeah 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 I'll, I'll check to, that out I'll have to check that out <laughs> yeah. now but Gore um yeah like you said with that first you know he was the number three overall pick in 2017 I think yeah the concern is like how long will he really stay up so how long are Snell and Clevenger gonna be out so as soon as one of those guys gets called up well maybe he sticks around if he's pitching okay but when both are healthy you have to think Padres will probably send him back down. I mean, unless he's just like doing doing great, but he, you know, I feel like more and more clubs are only going to pitch guys like him maybe a hundred innings anyway. So I could see like those guys getting healthy. Maybe they send him back down, and he comes back up later. Maybe he has a couple. And I don't know if there's new rules for like sending guys up and down, um, which could impact some of that. I know there was some of that with the collective bargaining agreement this off season. So maybe we see less of that, but mm-hmm. I think they have be, bigger yeah. rosters right now, I believe. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not sure about Nick Martinez, like how locked into a rotation spot he is, if he struggles uh, a little bit. And I could yeah. also see them potentially going to a six man rotation. A lot of teams seem to be uh, doing that lately, much more than in the past. So if Mackenzie Gore is like, dealing i i'm not sure that blake snell or mike clevenger coming back are necessarily going to push him out but there's certainly the potential i mean he needs to pitch well he's his next start i believe is against cincinnati uh on the 20th of april so he'll want to he'll want to impress in that one (laughs) uh to make (laughs) make an impression and and lock down that roster spot yeah but i I mean i agree with you while while he's up there i mean grab him if he's still available um just going to look up his roster percentage 
Um, I think it's like around forty nine percent. Around forty nine. It's. Pro- I was gonna say it's probably creeping up, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Forty nine. There you go. Right around forty nine. Exactly forty nine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, this next guy has his roster ship has really jumped since I wrote the article, and I'm gonna take full credit for that, of course. <laughs> um, that's Jesus Sanchez of oh, the Marlins. Yeah. Uh, I believe he is now 56% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. When I wrote the article, he was 35%. So there's been a big jump. Uh, he's got to be one of the most added players. I think he's probably the most added player over the last two days in, in Yahoo Leagues at least. Um, I, the thing I like about this guy is he's off to a hot start, but the, the skill set also matches it. You know, He has 70-grade power uh, uh, according to... Uh, Fangraphs um, prospect ratings and 24 years old. Uh, he was pretty good even in his short uh, taste of the big leagues last year with Miami. 14 home runs in just 64 games, and he was even better uh, before that at AAA. You know his batting average is probably due for some regression, but uh, you know he's not striking out that much early on, which is promising. So I feel like maybe he can actually improve on uh, the 251 he hit last season um i'm just pretty excited about this kid i mean he's he he seems like a a legitimate uh, emerging power hitting stud yeah and like you said the strikeout rate i mean in uh, the the previous couple seasons it was over 30 and so so far he's you know cut that in half so if that can continue and he keeps it down I, i think i think people like i'm just looking at some of like his projections and i think he was initially projected to you know bat around 225 or 240 or something and if he can if he can keep it up you know more in the like he batted 251 last season so yeah if he can if he can keep it in sort of like the 260 270 range um looks like he doesn't you know he's not really gonna do much on the base paths but like you said the power is there and he's young and we maybe we just haven't seen it yet from him he, he this could be the start of a breakout for sanchez yeah i mean even if he just does what he did last year over a full season i mean you're talking 30 home 30 plus home runs you know <laughs> yeah he's batting he's batting all over the place in the lineup so far like he started off he batted he batted seventh but he quickly moved up and he's been batting like second and third he batted fifth one time so he's been in the lineup they're not like he i don't think he's had a, a, a day of rest yet you know he's young he's in there every day as long as he's healthy they're just gonna plug him in there somewhere yep yep uh and then the next guy is another young guy another young outfielder uh joe adele mm-hmm. he's off to a slow start but I mean, this this kid is so talented. I just, do you really want to bail on a player like that on April eighteenth? I just, no. I, I don't think it's a good idea. I mean, it, it, even you know, obviously this is a little bit format dependent because it, you know if you have very few bench spots and it's a redraft league where you're not going to get any benefit from him eventually becoming a star, I could see moving on. Uh, you know, if it's a 10 team league and there's great players on the waiver wire all the time sure maybe but i think for most leagues this is just the kind of upside that you want to have stashed you if Mm -hmm. you have enough bench spots where you can afford to stash a guy like this i mean he hit 27 homers stole 10 bases between triple a and the majors last year and that was a 22 years old and he's one of the most highly regarded prospects in the game and, uh, you know, he's still locked into an everyday job right now, uh, is batting a little further down the, the order than you might like, but that could easily change too, if he turns it around. So it's similar to Mackenzie Gore. It's like, if this guy's on a major league roster, I think he needs to be on a fantasy roster too. 
Yeah, I think so. And I'm looking at, at Yahoo, and he's actually, you know, being dropped in as many uh, leagues as he's, as he's added in. So there are plenty of people who are bailing on Adele. But I think it's it's so early in the league. Um, as you know, like, I've done football rankings for a long time, and this is the first year I've really sat down and published and put a lot of thought and uh, everything into my baseball rankings. But football is a short season, and it's okay to bail on a guy after a couple weeks. But in baseball, I mean, it's obviously way more games and just try to be a little more patient at first. And I think there are a lot of fantasy football players who probably play baseball and basketball. I know I do. Uh, so, um, yeah, try to be a little bit patient, especially with someone like him who could still break out. You're going to be kicking yourself, I think, if you if you drop him. And if you wait a couple more weeks and then drop him, I mean, there's probably not a whole lot of harm done. Yeah. At the risk of, like, getting on my soapbox about this, I just this is sort of like a, a failing of society in general, I think. People are just... <laughs> want instant gratification all the time you know what it, i mean it's, like, it's kind of i mean it's kind of true i tend to agree with you there yeah yeah so i think it, the the patience will pay off with a guy like odell and honestly if it doesn't what's what's the cost you know yeah. if you if you have seven bench spots you really can't afford to wait a month on a guy that could be a superstar in the second half of the season i i, I just think it's uh the the benefit far outweighs the uh, risk in this situation. Yeah, so I, I, not to jump around too much, I know you want to kind of talk about some of the big guys up front, but uh, Tyler Wade has been added in a lot of leagues as well. I know he didn't make your cut. He'd be more of a really deep stash. You know, he's been he's been batting kind of toward, I think, the bottom of the lineup for the A's too. And, of course, Trout's missed a game here and there. Um, I don't know if, like, I don't know if he's been he's been kind of like their everyday second baseman maybe but he's got a couple of steals he's got a lot of uh position eligibility kind of like a maybe a chris taylor light without the power <laughs> i don't know but um i was just thinking about him and there's a couple maybe a couple other guys we can talk about later on who if you're in need of some stolen base help um that uh might be able to you know give you something in that category if you're chasing chasing some stolen bases yeah, maybe there's like some Tommy Edmond kind of value to be had there. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Well, Tommy um, Edmond's off to a hot start himself. <laughs> I know. That's killing my theory that he would be benched by May. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's still got time to fall apart. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we can get back well, to Well, Nolan this. Gorman, by the way, is going bananas in, in the minors. So he oh, is yeah. going to be putting pressure on uh, on yep. Tommy Edmond to keep performing, I think. True. But we can get back to some of the guys who are more 40-50% rostered. They're a little more interesting. Sure. So the other the other guy I let off with in my column is Merrill Kelly um, with the Diamondbacks. And I know we had briefly discussed him uh, last week. but um, Or maybe it was in our ranking adjustment show. I don't know. but I thought we were going to talk about more interesting guys. <sighs> You're not interested in Merrill <laughs> Kelly? I'm starting to get interested. And actually, I... I know the pitcher list guys are pretty interested in him. So when those guys are mm. interested, I'm interested. Okay. Um, I think he, I think he could be breaking out. Like we can see this kind of thing. We, you know, this is like the Charlie Morton thing, right? The yeah. breakout in the mid thirties, early mid thirties. It can yeah. definitely happen. Um, and the reason that you should be excited about Merrill Kelly, I think, is that uh, it's not just that he's had two good outings. Uh, it's not just that those two good outings have come against pretty decent teams in the Padres and the Astros. It's that he's showing improved skills. He's showing a better fastball, and he's showing more movement on his changeup. So I, he's a different pitcher than he was in the past. I'm not sure we should hold his uh, his past track record against him uh, that much. And it, and also, to be fair, it's not like he was bad before. I mean, he was, like, decent. He just wasn't, wasn't great. But he's never had a... a 
ERA over 450 in his career. Um, right. So he's pretty been a pretty solid innings eating arm. Um, but I feel like we could be seeing a, a breakout from him at uh, age 33. Yeah, could be a late you know could be a late breakout. Um, he's he's definitely striking out more people than he than he usually is. Um, I didn't realize you know I was looking at his Fangraphs page that he played in the KBO for like four seasons. So that's yep. interesting. Um, so yeah, he's he's been with Arizona. This is his fourth season. So really, just his you know third full season in the majors. And you're right. I mean, he he never has had that huge ERA. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe we are seeing a breakout um, in his fourth season. Yeah, I, it's just I I feel like with the way the game is today, where you have um, every there's so many uh, strategies. I think there's uh, in terms of uh, how to how to get results as a pitcher and. and this stuff's all being studied so much with spin rates and um, how to increase velocity. You know, they have these off season schools, these guys go to, to build up their uh, velocity. And mm-hmm. um, I, I just think we're seeing more and more that uh, you can't just kind of pigeonhole players into, Oh, that's the kind of guy that they are forever. We're seeing more and more players who look like that, the same player for three, four or five years in a row, and then suddenly become something different, you know? So, uh, he looks like something different, both on the field and in the box score. So, I, I, to me, that's worth paying attention to. Yeah. Well, the next guy on your list, Nestor Cortez, I'm a little more excited about. But of course, by the time people are listening to this, it might be a little too late because that's another guy. Uh, when you wrote about him in your article, he was 37% rostered, and it looks like he's up over yep, 64%. 64%. Yeah. Yeah. So. You're not getting him in as many leagues anymore, but this was a guy, you know, we talked about him a little bit in, in our pitcher preview, and he was a guy that I, I saw on some sleeper lists, and I kind of liked him, you know, coming in. He's another guy who's, I mean, he's 27, so he's not 33 like Merrill Kelly, but it's like, he's another guy who's just kind of like this veteran who has never been great, but he, he had a really good second half of the season last year, and he's just kind of continuing through that uh, to start the season off this year. And, you know, he's with the Yankees, who you know, tend to put up some runs and it, it is, it could be a little bit uh, prohibitive at home sometimes, but so far he's looking good. And I like, you know, Cortez, if by some chance you're still able to get him, but like I said, might be a little bit too late that we're talking about him now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, I mean, he, he hadn't really thrown that many innings in the major leagues before last season. And last year he threw 93 innings. And before that he had never thrown more than I think he had thrown less than 93 innings in his career before last <laughs> season. So um, we're still learning what kind of a pitcher he is, I think. And, uh, I, you know, it, it's interesting because um, I mentioned the pitcher list and, you know, Nick Pollock had a pretty uh, pretty good uh, analysis of Cortez where he, you know, talked about how his stuff wasn't really that good before right. the season. And um, so that – I think that was like a reason where you could have been like, oh, well, is this one of those guys who just put up good numbers in a very short span of games? Because, I mean, he had 22 appearances last year. 14 of them were starts, and he had great numbers. 290 ERA, 108 whip, 9.97K per nine. Uh, But the question was, how was he getting such good results, especially because his fastball is like tops out in the low 90s? He really doesn't throw very hard. Um but the more we see it, you know, uh, the more you have to kind of wonder, maybe this guy's just a good pitcher, even if, uh, you know, the stuff doesn't necessarily jump off the page, you know. Um, 
or pop the radar guns or whatever whatever might you might say. I mean, he's it makes sense his roster ship just jumped up. I mean, he just struck <laughs> out five or 12 batters in five innings against Baltimore yep. uh, yesterday. So that's and five shutout innings that is. So you know, anytime a guy's striking out 12 batters, that's going to that's going to get people's attention in a hurry. Um, oh yeah. You know, it's a tough place to pitch, but uh, he has some good matchups coming up uh, in, in addition to the one he just had. So, you know, I was saying he was worth picking up just because uh, he's been good so far and he's got good matchups. So even if you're a little cautious about his long-term outlook, ride the hot hand, you know. But I think now the more we see it, the more you have to say, well, maybe he's just he's just better than, than people thought. And, and the other guy at the top of the show who I assume you were going to maybe want to talk about here, who you didn't get to in your article, uh, was Andrew Heaney. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, you got it. Yeah, I mean, because I'm looking at he's now 56% rostered, uh, thirty-one up 31% in the last day. Um, so Cortez struck out 12 Orioles, and uh, Heaney struck out 11 Reds. Uh, so he had, a, he had a really good start. Um, he, he was solid in his first start against uh, Minnesota. And it's funny because I remember talking about him in our pitcher previews, and I just was—I think I even made a comment about Heaney just in passing about comparing someone to him as someone who would just get rocked, you know, and like give up a ton of runs because, like, that's when we last saw Heaney at Yankee Stadium. I feel like that's what it was every (laughs) every start. So I don't know. Maybe the Dodgers are unlocking something there with him, but he's off to a a hot start, and at fifty-six percent rostered, you can still get him. In uh, you know almost half a league, so definitely consider adding Heaney if he's available. Yeah, he. I don't know what to make of Heaney to be honest with you, because uh, he was one of these guys who like I feel like his peripherals were always better than his ERA. I like I'm just looking at it now on Fangraphs. I mean, he had uh, yeah. I mean, just every single year, it's like the ERA is higher than than the uh, than the the expected ERA, and, yeah. you know, uh, and higher than the. F- XFIP too so it's kind of like which what's the real story here is he uh is he really breaking out or is this just sort of a tease and he's just gonna kind of end up with one with that high four zra again and all is said and done you know um right he's always been pretty good in terms of strikeouts and his walk rate is manageable so that immediately makes him interesting to me um but i feel like we were waiting for the breakout with the angels all those years and it never, Mm -hmm. it just never really came, you know, um, being with the Dodgers is something that always makes a a pitcher more interesting to me. Um, now with the universal DH a little less so, but you're still pitching in a, in a very favorable home ballpark with a great offense supporting you. So it's still, if you had to say the top five best places you could pitch, I'd still probably put, uh, the Dodgers, in that top five. So it's a good place to be. Uh, the early results are amazing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think he has to be rostered right now. Yeah. And like we talked about, I think on the last episode, like my, this early in the season, sort of my two start rule, you know, I was like, well, I wasn't getting excited about Merrill Kelly yet, but with Heaney, you know, he's 30. He was a former first round pick. Um, I don't know why I'm maybe believing it a little bit more with him than, uh, Merrill Kelly. Maybe some of it's the age, but honestly, like, I kind of want to see another starter too with Heaney, but I'm definitely adding him because I don't think you want to miss out on this. These are these are the type of guys you need to you need to be adding in the first couple weeks of of the season. 
Yeah, and I can understand wanting to roster a Dodgers pitcher rather than a Diamondbacks pitcher, I guess, too. Yeah, true. <laughs> but but I don't know. We'll see. I, that's an interesting one. I I still think I would slightly lean Kelly, just, but uh, I don't know. It's real close, actually. <laughs> yeah, hard to say. Um, then there's, of course, always closers to discuss. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I know that, you know, saves matter a lot more in some formats than in others, but uh, Tanner Rainey is a guy who was 40% rostered at the time that I wrote the article. I don't know what his current number is. Um, I don't know if it's jumped up a lot or not. Um, Let's see. He's, he's, a, he's a up 50, at 50, he's 50. Now. Yeah, yep. so he's gone up 10% uh, in the last couple of days, which is a pretty sizable jump, which makes sense because he is he seems to be the closer for Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think uh, – they've had two save chances so far, and he got both of them. Um, and there was also a comment um, – from uh, manager Dave Martinez uh, early in the preseason that I think he said he would love it if yep. Tanner Rainey became the closer. So it, Rainey, I'm not sure, is a different pitcher than he's ever been, which is a little cause for concern because uh, he can be extremely wild <laughs> at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and he can also suffer from uh, gopheritis, uh, trouble with uh, the home run ball. So things could go south here very quickly at any time. But he also has nasty stuff, like closer stuff, you know, and he can pile up the strikeouts. Uh, he is the, he does seem to be the closer now. It seems like Martinez basically decided this is going to be my guy, whether he should be or not, until he proves he's not, you know. Because um, Kyle Finnegan was the closer heading into the offseason season. Um, but clearly they wanted to go in another direction and that's what's happening now. Um, so I just look at what he did in 2020, 266 ERA, 0.74 whip, 14.16 K per nine in 20 and a third innings. So if he managed to do something like that over a full season, you'd be talking about a top five closer easily. Yeah. It's interesting looking back in hindsight at like those preseason comments, you know, in spring training about, I really would like to see him. I'm sure it's just like kind of motivation for for his player or something, but it's like, dude, uh, you can make that happen, you know? You're the manager. <laughs> like, just put him in there, coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he was trying to light a fire under him, and then when yeah. he, he didn't – I don't think Rainey – I could be wrong, but I don't think he had a very good preseason. <laughs> but <laughs> right. I guess Mar, I guess Marty was like, I, I don't care. I'm, yeah. still go, I'm still going to uh, – I'm still going to put you uh, in that – in that role, <laughs> but you but you said it. I mean, he's only had a couple save opportunities. So how many save opportunities are they actually going to get? He hasn't pitched in like five days because, well, he's the closer, and it, it looks like that you know they're going to give him those opportunities. But you know, Hector Neris is a guy who might jump in with Ryan Presley out playing for the Astros, who should have a lot more um, save opportunities. And you know, Neris is a guy who he's had he's been in that closer role before. So you kind of figure, well, maybe they'll just kind of kind of plug him in there he's had let's see when he was with the Phillies he had seasons where he had 26 28 saves of course he had some you know he had some control issues there as well and he had some some seasons where he you know it was like a closer by committee because maybe he wasn't getting the job done but I think if you're if you're looking for saves uh Naris might be a guy that you can add because Presley's dealing with some right knee inflammation um I don't know if that's going to keep him out 10 days or you know three weeks but you know, it's worth speculating if you can add add Naris and you need saves. Yeah, I mean, um, the Astros are expressing a lot of confidence that Presley's injury is going to be short term. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another 
blurb about that today, I think, saying like he's doing really, really well and should be back very, very soon. You know, lots of <laughs> when anytime they're repeating really, really, very, very, uh, <laughs> you know, that they're feeling good about the situation. But uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, Neris is a, to me, he's a better pitcher than Tanner Rainey. I like he has his ups and downs. He, he can fall apart as well, but he's also shown he can be a, a good closer for a long stretch of time. You know, uh, he's kind of, I don't know, maybe the comp to him is like a Matt Barnes type, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it can be a, a, a bit of a roller coaster with him, but I think he's pretty clearly the, the closer while Presley's out. Um, you know, Dusty Baker man mentioned uh, Rafael Montero and Ryan Stanek as well as Neris as potential closer candidates in the in in the time Presley's out. But um, I always it always seemed like Neris was the, the the top setup guy, and he's the one with the most closer experience. And he also pitched the ninth inning on Saturday night when they had a four run lead. So I feel like that was kind of Baker showing his hand a little bit. Uh, that Neris is probably the best bet for saves while Presley's out. It just may, like you said, may only be a, a ten a ten day absence. So yeah, you know, in, in my league, I I have Presley, and people are like save obsessed in this league. So I I actually spent seventeen percent of my Fab budget to get Hector Neris, um, and I actually was glad that I got him uh, because. Uh, I just couldn't really afford to lose Presley. Uh, there, there are so few locked in closers these days. I, I needed that Houston situation. So I'm probably going to hold on to Naris even after Presley's back at this point. That's a good point. I was actually just thinking that about like, if you have Presley go out and get Naris, but like, I would actually prioritize Rainey like for the long term. Like he looks like he's the guy. Yeah. Maybe he only gets 20 saves all year, but you might see Naris get five saves all year. Um, I, you know, I think Presley's not dealing with, some elbow issue or something like that. It is a knee. So when he's back, like he might be back for the rest of the season for all we right. know. And that's the expectation. So it's more of a short-term thing. It's also what, what type of manager are you? Are you out there like every day or at least every week, you know, just scavenger, you know, like the on the waiver wire. So I think if you're adding and dropping people, go ahead and get Naris. He's probably a better short-term uh, plug and play. But, but Rainey is the guy, I think, for the season if you're like in a roto league and want to get a guy who might get you 20 or 25 saves. Yeah, it makes sense. Like when I was first writing this article on Saturday, I initially thought about putting Naris like up in my top four pickups of the week, mm-hmm. um, saying you got to go out and get this guy. But then I started reading uh, some reports about Presley's knee, and just it just doesn't seem like a particularly serious injury. Uh, right. He had to get the knee drained, but it sounds like he's gotten a lot of relief from that, and um, it's it's not an arm injury, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. he's not going to miss three months with this injury it's uh it's like you said a question of is it one week or is it three weeks but either way um he should be back by may and back to uh being a a top five closer um so that that speaks to not not blowing your whole budget on naris yeah so the next guy on the list great name joey bart (laughs) (laughs) you just like people named joey huh (laughs) yeah joey whoa (laughs) That's right. <laughs> Ooh, a little Joey Lawrence <laughs> reference there for the for the audience. I love yeah, it for the old crowd. <laughs> yeah, Joey Bart's. Uh, I'd have to look. I have to look him up to see. I know, I know um, in your article you you talk about him a bit, but I think he's he's probably off to a hot start. He's like a top five catcher so far. Um, of course, small sample size and all, but you know this is a guy with you know a good draft uh, pedigree as well. 
who is stepping right into that Buster Posey everyday role. And we've seen guys for the Giants just having these great seasons. So, I mean, catcher's one of those positions, like, you like your guy Alejandro Kirk. You know, like I said, once he starts coming around, he's getting the at-bats. And once he starts coming around, I'll bump him up my rankings. But Joey Bart is a guy who um, probably in our Thursday show, I'm sure we'll both have him moved up a bit. Yeah, would you take Joey Bart over Alejandro Kirk then at this point? I think right now, yeah. I mean, I would. I mean, it's Joey Bart is pretty much an everyday, as much of an everyday player as Kirk. Um, you know, and like I guess you know, Teoscar, when Teoscar Hernandez comes back, you know, maybe a an at uh, or a game uh, or so fewer for Kirk. Um, Danny Jansen as well, of course, because you know those guys are injured right now for Toronto, um, so they'll have some more players to to kind of rotate through. So yeah, I think for now, just looking at the hot start. I'd probably grab Joey Bart and see see where it goes. Yeah, I guess I can see that. I just, um, I mean, I do like Joey Bart, uh, but he is also striking out in fifty percent of his plate appearances so far. <laughs> so the reason he's hitting two seventy three, but that's because he has a five seventy one BABIP. <laughs> so that's not gonna that's not gonna keep up. Um, he this guy's got serious power. Uh, I think he's he's got big time power. The question is. Um, what's that strikeout rate going to look like? Because he could easily become like a Gary Sanchez type of a guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he had a 36.9% K, uh, K rate uh, in his first taste of the majors back in 2020, then a 29.4% in AAA last season. Uh, now he's, like I said, 50% through his first 26 plate appearances this year. So strikeouts are a big, a big, issue with him uh and that's why i would still prefer alejandro kirk who has a 12.5 percent strikeout rate so far but a 217 babip so i I'm, I'm seeing his average about to jump up and bart's about to uh fall down and uh you know i i do think bart probably has a little bit more pure power uh than kirk does i mean bart i put a video of bart hitting a moonshot on, on my <laughs> article. article and yeah. uh yeah i mean he can really when he gets into one he can really wallop it um yeah he did hit uh 10 home runs in just 67 games in triple a last season so um i could see 25 30 home runs over a full year uh at some point i don't know if that's going to happen this season necessarily but um he's got he's got more power than kirk but i think kirk still has 20 homer power and uh I just think Kirk's ultimately going to be a pretty useful batting average guy, even though he's hitting 192 right now. Yeah, no, that's a good point about about the average. I mean, but like you mentioned, Gary Sanchez, we've seen guys like Mike Zanino last year. Not saying Joey Bart's going to hit that many home runs, but we've seen guys with a, with a low average and a high strikeout rate and hit a lot of home runs and be top five catchers because that's how bad the position is. So, you know, there's probably plenty of people out there who, I mean, if you look at the, I mentioned Joey Bart at top five, he's actually the number three catcher in the in the early early goings here but the other guys are jonah heim and sean murphy so don't read too much into a hot start i mean wilson Contreras is up there but will smith is a top 10 a lot of the guys are off to slow starts so it's hard it's hard to say if joey bart's gonna kind of maintain this um, but even if he just keeps the power going i think he could you know be a top 10 catcher for sure yeah and i mean there were you know catchers like um travis darno or you know Elias Diaz or Carson Kelly or even Christian Vasquez. I mean, there are a lot of catchers that are uh, that were drafted as starters in leagues that are nothing special. So I can certainly see moving on from one of those guys if you want to to yep. see what Joey Bart can give you. 
but I, I do still prefer Kirk. Um, I, I was going to say also another, another catcher who's off to a hot start who I had thought about putting in the article. I didn't quite do it. Uh, is Austin Nola of mm-hmm. the Padres, who I'm looking at the Yahoo rankings, and they say he's actually ahead of Joey Barton fantasy value so far, but I don't, I, I'm not sure. Okay, it's it got to be, be our, our league scoring. It's got to <laughs> be really close. I yeah, mean, yeah. it's it's very close. Um, I think in standard five by five, they're basically equal. But uh, I don't know how to feel about Austin Nola because I, I don't really think he has a ton of power at all. I mean. Like none, basically. Um, <laughs> but like he's got like uh, he's got very good batted ball skills. Like you know that stat I was citing about Kirk about his strikeout rate being the second lowest of catchers. I think the first lowest last year was was Austin Nola nine point eight percent. Yeah, which is really good for a catcher. Uh, I mean, it's really good for anybody, but especially a catcher. Um, so I, you know, I the question is, is he just going to be empty batting average? Because right. he really lacks power, and all catchers lack speed. Um, but the case for Nola, I think, is that he's he's batting right at the top of the lineup. He's actually hitting leadoff tonight. He's been hitting second most nights. You just don't see catchers hitting first or second very often, and that should lead to a lot of runs scored, you know, and maybe even yep. some RBIs um, if he's hitting second. So. You know who knows? Maybe when Fernando Tatis Jr. is back, that this this experiment will end. But uh, I don't know. I just it's just getting those plate appearances from a catcher is is so rare. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I don't have anything to add on Nola though. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, so the next guy on my list was uh, was G Man Choi, who is another guy who's off to a hot start. Uh, you know, I like I I tried to get excited about G man Choi and I kind of <laughs> failed. <laughs> I, I can't get that excited about him. Right. Um, but you know, he is one of those guys who I feel like part of the reason people are so unexcited about him is that he's never really played, you know? I mean, it, it's hard to put up big counting stats when you don't get the plate appearances and yeah, he's never played more than 127 games in a season. And, before other than in 2019 he's never played more than 83 games in a season so you know i think if he did play in 150 games he would probably hit at least 20 homers and probably 25 you know um whether that's enough to really matter at a fir- at first base i don't know if it doesn't come with anything else you know yeah um, cuz i don't really project him to be a, gr- a much of an asset in batting average no stolen bases um, but you know, he could drive in some runs. So I think he's more of like a deeper league guy, to be honest. But, um, I, I think he also fits into what we were, what we've been talking about recently about like hot, riding the hot hand. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's worth riding the hot hand with him. If you, if you have the roster flexibility, why not? Yeah. And if you're doing like the daily, you know, daily, uh, start sit stuff, you know, because yeah, he, the Rays are going to platoon him a little bit. He's already, you know, been set three times. I'm going to assume those were probably all against lefties, but he's batting cleanup uh, pretty much every time, every time he's playing, he's starting and um, he's getting, he's, he's having an RBI and more, more games than not pretty much almost every single game, but one, it looks like that he's started. So he's hitting in that cleanup spot and he's getting damage done and he's got a couple of home runs. He's walking a lot uh, so far. He's got a ton of walks, basically like one per game, even, even in his non-starts. So mm-hmm. he's coming in and pinch hitting and getting a walk. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, maybe he's even good in you know in a points league, even if he's as long as he's not, you know, as long as he didn't start getting uh, rested, you know, every other day or something. But with Austin Meadows gone and stuff like like, I, yeah, he's he's playing a lot more. Um, yeah, he's kind of a kind of a boring guy. You know, I, I talked up Anthony Santander in our movers and shakers a little bit, and you know, he's kind of a guy like that that like you're not going to get too excited about. He's still only rostered in 25% of leagues. And I bet that doesn't go up that much unless he just starts hitting a bunch of home runs or something. But you'll be able to get him on the waiver wire um, probably for the next couple of weeks, I bet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's been a points league stud so far. Right. Nine walks. He only has uh, 12 outs. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, yeah. he's got 10 yeah. hits, nine walks, and 12 outs in his first 31 plate appearances. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> yep, it is. Yeah. Um, so these next guys I'm a little more genuinely excited about, though. A uh, couple pitchers for the Brewers. And if we learned anything from last season, it's that the Brewers are a team you should be paying attention to when it comes to young, talented starting pitchers. Uh, they <laughs> were responsible for Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta last season. And now I'm looking at Eric Lauer and Andy Ashby as potential breakouts. Uh, Lauer, I believe, is pitching tonight. Let me check on how he's doing. Uh, he has given up one run in six innings with five mm-hmm. Ks uh, and a one whip. So he is facing Pittsburgh, but that's pretty <laughs> darn good. Um, I'm intrigued. I mean, he throws he throws gas, uh, Lauer, um, and that kind of helped him a lot last year, I think. And he his numbers were pretty good last year, 319 ERA, 114 whip in 118 and two-thirds innings. Um, you know, the peripherals kind of suggested a little bit of regression uh, was coming his way. But I, I don't know. I mean, just the fact that he does have that improved velocity from earlier in his career, I feel like sometimes, um, you know, at least with the projections you're looking at, like previous seasons that may not apply so much to what he is now. So um, he could be a pitcher that's, just improving, you know, um, and it didn't show up so much with the strikeout rate last year, but um, I think he can probably at least strike out a batter per inning. And I just kind of like this team's track record of de- developing pitchers in recent seasons. So um, that makes me excited about him. Yeah. And his, uh, his roster percentage, probably people are adding him tonight. <laughs> you know, his roster percentage, you, when you wrote uh, yesterday or the day before was 10% and it's now up to 17 in mm-hmm. Yahoo. So people are adding him. And uh, Aaron Ashby, who, you know, it looks like the Brewers are going to kind of roll with a six-man rotation. So it looks like Ashby's going to get some turns as well. And he's he's a bit he's a bit younger. You know, he's just 23 years old, also a lefty. And, you know, there's some there's some things to get excited about with, with Ashby. Um, you know, you look at last year, he only threw 31 innings in the majors. He just had he just had four starts. So his uh, his xERA was three compared to his ERA of four point five five. Really small sample size, but his K per nine was was eleven, um, and he's had, he's shown you know in the in AAA he had a K per nine of fourteen over fourteen and sixty three innings pitched in twenty twenty one. So before he got the call up, so yeah, some some things to get excited about for Aaron Ashby, maybe even a little more strikeout potential than Lauer. Yeah, and I, I don't know if they will do the six man rotation or not. I, have, I don't have they said one way or another on that. No, I, I just, you know, going based on sort of what they're doing so far and I'm looking at roster resource, I guess they're listing six. Um, I guess we'll just have to see how it shakes out, but I haven't seen anything official them saying like, yes, this is what we're doing. Yeah. 
I, I mean, the thing that I love about Ashby, like in terms of his potential, is that he com- he he combines a elite strikeout rate with an elite ground ball rate, mm-hmm. and that's if I could design a a pitcher <laughs> in a uh, in, in a factory and just like be like. <laughs> create robot pitcher <laughs> what 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 traits would i want I, that's what yeah. i'd want i want big strikeouts and high ground ball rate i'd also want a lower walk rate than no walks has. i was yeah. gonna say <laughs> so that's kind of like the one flaw <laughs> there um but that's something i think he could probably improve over time it's just it might it might take a while um yeah you know the thir- 3.41 walks per nine he had last year that's okay i could live with that but uh, in the minors, he often had a, a walk rate over four per nine and seven walks in his first nine innings so far this season. So that's that's really the issue with him. Uh, the stuff is great, and the you know the ground balls. I mean, that will keep the home run rate down, and then the strikeouts should keep the the uh, batting average against down. So that works great because ground balls give up more hits than fly balls, but they don't give up home runs. So um, if you have both of those things, that's when you're really able to dominate. And uh, that's why, for me, he's a pretty exciting name to monitor. Yep. So you, you mentioned Elias Diaz as well as another catcher. I don't know if you wanted to spend a little more time on him. He looks like he was 23% rostered when you wrote uh, the article. I'm going to take a look. He, I would imagine he's about the same. I don't know if people are. Yeah, 26. So he's he's going up a little bit. He's been batting, you know, he's been batting like sixth or seventh in the lineup. Actually batted cleanup against the Cubs the other night and had an RBI. So he's, he's been, he's been getting some hits. He's been, he's been productive. And I know we, we mentioned him before, you know, plug him in there while he's at cores. And he actually, you know, he had a home run against the Dodgers about a week ago, but he hasn't, he hasn't put one out of the park since, but I'd I'd say keep getting him in the lineup while they're at home. uh, This, this homestand against the Phillies. Yeah, I agree. The problem is that that's uh, that, that homestand's coming into an end now. Yeah. Um, after that series, they are on the road. Let's see. They're at Detroit and then at Philly. So they got seven straight games uh, coming up on the road um, after these next two if, uh, at home. So, yeah. His his splits last season were very extreme. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, it was like the point yeah. where you basically could only play him at home and uh, – you know, so if you're if you're in a situation where you're like streaming catcher, uh, then sure, play him, play him for the home games, and then uh, once they once they go on the road, just find somebody else, and then you yeah. can always come back to him. And in one uh, catcher leagues, I mean, you could legitimately do that in ten and twelve one catcher leagues. You could stream catcher. I mean, he's he's on the waiver wire in three quarters of of leagues, and that includes all leagues. So. He's probably on the waiver wire in like ninety percent of ten team leagues, right? So he's definitely a guy that you can stream easily. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, I, I feel like to me, it, him versus Austin Nola was like a tough call. Which of them I wanted mm-hmm. to put in the column, like Joey Bart or Alejandro Kirk. Like if those guys are available, I'd much prefer them over yep. either of the other two guys because then I feel like those guys are potentially a season long solution to the to your catcher position. Whereas like like you said, Diaz, it's you can you can stream you can you can work with that, but it's not the ideal solution. Yeah, and then the former former Rocky uh, Ramel Tapia is uh, getting a lot more playing time, at least uh, lately with Teoscar Hernandez out. Um, you know he he hasn't 
it looks like he still hasn't uh, stolen a base yet, which is a little surprising. But he's been added. I mean, maybe maybe tell me about tell me about why you had Tapia here in the list, at least in, as we're getting down into some you know lower lower guys on the list, but still in your article. Yeah, well, I I, I mean, I like Tapia as a player in the rotisserie league, at least. Um, it's just for me once he was traded from the Rockies to the Blue Jays, I felt like his playing time was. Uh, not certain at all, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, but now with the Blue Jays suffering through all these injuries, um, you know, Danny Jansen got hurt, which means that Kirk needs to be uh, a catcher, so that could free up some at bat to DH, and then Teoscar Hernandez uh, also landed on the IL, um, so that opens up a spot in the outfield. So it they basically need Tapia to be an everyday player right now. Yep, and you know. Coors obviously was the best place you could hit, but uh, Toronto is a pretty good place to hit too, and it's a great offense to be in. Uh, he actually hit lead off the other night, um, and it's just the stole. It's really about stolen bases, but also batting average. I think he can be helpful in both of those categories. Um, he stole twenty bases last year in one hundred thirty three games and hit two seventy three. Only struck out thirteen point one percent of the time. So he makes a lot of contact. He's got good sprint speed. Uh, that that will lead to higher babips. Um, so yeah, I think he can. I think he can hit for. I think he could hit 270, 280, and steal bases at a twenty steal clip. Um, for as long as he's playing, you know. I'd, so yeah. maybe maybe eventually he goes back to the bench, but I think he's a pretty useful player for ne- for now. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> I have some bad news for you. Art Warren, <laughs> who was fifteen percent rostered, his roster percentage is actually now going down. Because Sunday night he gave up a couple runs, you know, in LA to the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's that's just how fickle, you know, the closer uh, position. I don't know if fickle's the right word there, but you know what I mean. Like it's just, it's just one day you're you're the guy, the next day you're giving up runs and people are panicking. But I don't know that I would just like rush to drop uh, Art Warren after giving up a couple runs to the Dodgers. Um, <laughs> you know. Maybe you want to bench him next time he plays the Dodgers, <laughs> but um, I don't know. Um, yeah, he's... yeah. Well, you said that was bad news for me, but it really isn't bad news for me because I still have Tony Santian stashed in my league. <laughs> hey, nice. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't drop either of them. Honestly, I right. I didn't drop Santian after he had a rough outing against the Dodgers a couple <laughs> nights ago. Yeah. Um. So now it was Warren's turn, evidently, to have yep. a tough one, but. That's what happens when you face the Dodgers. Sometimes you'll give up some runs, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. um, I still like both of these guys. I think they both have really good stuff, and I think that this closer role is up for grabs. So uh, to me, these are still the two obvious best arms in this bullpen, um, and it's a situation with uh, without a clear closer. So uh, you know, if you play in a league where, where saves are hard to come by, I would definitely keep both Art Warren and Tony CNT and uh, stashed. I'd ideally like to have both of them, <laughs> you know, because if <laughs> yeah. you have both of them, you might actually get a, a full closer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, we got we have a few uh, kind of deep guys to get into, and um, one guy I didn't see on your list, and I don't, I didn't expect him to be, um, but you know, I mentioned Tyler Wade earlier, and I'll just mention, you know, one of my Orioles, Jorge Mateo. Who I know didn't make your cut, and that's fine. But he uh, he has stolen three bases to start the season, so just another guy. If you're looking for if you're looking for steals, he's been swiping some bases. He's eligible at second, short, and outfielder. So has some nice position eligibility. 
and he's you know he could he's stolen some bases before. I have to pull him up, but I, I thought I was looking at him earlier, and he had swiped like twenty one year. But uh, I'll I'll pull him up. He was a guy I wanted to mention, just who wasn't on your list and could could help in at least the stolen base category, but probably not anything else. <laughs> so maybe he's the the Tommy Edmund then. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm looking at his projections on Fangraphs and. They actually see him. They like they see him hitting, uh, you know, eight or nine home runs to go with fifteen to eighteen steals. Um, that's kind of interesting, and and that's like playing one hundred six games or something like that. Yeah, so he had um, ten stolen bases in eighty nine games between two between I guess San Diego and Baltimore last year. So that that was it. I was I was looking at it and kind of projecting in my head like, oh, he's twenty steal guy. He's already got three. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when he hit four homers in in those eighty nine games, yeah. so yeah, maybe exactly. he could get close to double digits. Yeah, uh, he strikes out quite a bit, um, oh, or yeah. at least he might. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, I don't really think he's going to be a a great batting average guy. Um, and it's the Orioles, so yeah, no bottom offense, of the lineup uh, for the Orioles. <laughs> yeah, the run production numbers are probably going to be pretty gross. Um, yeah, but yeah, I you know, steals are hard to find, so I I can yep. I can see the appeal there. Yep. I'm more excited, though. Um, well, I was going to say I was more excited about Tyler Naquin, but I think he just landed on the COVID list, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it, but, yep. you know, even if he did, like, I've, guys have been hitting the COVID list for, like, a day or so, and then they're, like, right back. So, like, we're seeing a lot of, right. like, I feel like, I, I think maybe I've told you this, maybe I haven't. When I look at news, I'm looking at sports news. I, I don't know what's going on with COVID rates and stuff. Like, I'm, I'm a little oblivious to some of it. Um, but I, I have kind of heard like that they're kind of back on the rise. And when you see like Paul George misses a game in the NBA due to COVID, I'm like, oh man, this stuff is popping back up. But yeah, it's, it's almost like guys can be a close contact or something and then they have to miss a game and then they maybe can test yeah, out of it and they're back. I guess it depends if they've been vaccinated or not, but yeah, God, right. I'm, it sucks that it's 2022 and we're still having to talk about this, but <laughs> it really uh, is. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, it's just one of those things where I mean we're already talking about kind of a more deeper league ad, so yeah, it's hard to hit that. It's hard to click that ad button when there's like COVID nineteen next to the guy's name. You're just like, <laughs> right. oh, I'm picking him up and I can't even like put him right into my lineup. What am I? Because you know, if if you're just looking for like a high upside stash, then you you you'd rather stash guys like. O'Neill Cruz or Joe Adele or whatever, you know, you're not, yeah. you're not want, looking to stash Tyler Naquin really. It's, it's, it's one of those things where if he's going to be out for like a week or two, you're going to wish you didn't have them, you know? Um, yeah. But uh, if it's just a day or two, then yeah. And then it, then the point stands. I think he's a good ad um, once he's, once he's back off the COVID list. Cause he's been batting second in their lineup, uh, which just means a lot of at bats, a lot of opportunity to score runs, um, he was, he, he was pretty good last year. Like at one point it looked like he was having this breakout, uh, of sorts. Um, but then he kind of got in a slump and had a rib injury and missed some time in the middle of the season. And then he finished the season strong too. So, uh, he's, he's shown some like interesting abilities, uh, recently. Um, and obviously Cincinnati is a very nice home ballpark, uh, t- to play in so um yeah i i could i could see him being a pretty interesting uh ad once he is back off that covid list yeah i would agree and i I actually probably would like him even a little little more than oscar mercado 
who you had on your list too, if only because for that reason, like Oscar Mercado has been batting seventh or eighth, and that Indian yeah, Indians, the Guardians lineup has uh you know been you know off to a hot start. They've got some bats in there, and you know Quan's been batting up there near the top, and um, so I don't know if I don't know if there's a spot for Mercado to move up. At least just the way he's been been hitting. You know, last couple of days, you know, a few days he's been okay. He does, he did have three home runs there in that stretch, so he was getting hot. But I think just for the fact that Naquin's batting at the top of that order in a better, better ballpark, um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably prioritize him over Mercado, pick him between the two. I can see it. I, I like Mercado. Um, I like the potential upside for him, especially in a roto league. Uh, you know, he went 15 15 as a rookie in 2019. In just 115 games, and he hit 269, which is a pretty decent batting average as well. Yeah. Um, and then if you look at what he did last year, uh, the 224 batting average was disappointing, but uh, his K rate was virtually identical to what it was in that 2019 season. Uh, he also stole six or stole seven bases and hit six homers in 72 games. So, um, and actually, the 72 games is a little misleading. He had 238 plate appearances. So he he was coming in as like a defensive replacement a lot or a pinch hitter. Uh, so he didn't he didn't get, you know, 72 games worth of at-bats, really. Um, so really, his, his home run and stolen base paces were pretty much in line with that 15-15 season. And the batting average was down, but the K rate wasn't. So it makes you think, hmm, maybe... Maybe he was a little bit unlucky with his batted ball results last season. Uh, so, I don't know. For me, he's like a little bit more of an upside play than Naquin, uh, just because he does bring the speed to the table. Um, with that Guardian lineup, I mean, they, they've they all been hot <laughs> right now. They're, <laughs> all, they're all off to great starts, but how many of them are really locked into their lineup spots? You know what I mean? Like, these yeah. are all guys who have a lot to prove uh, outside of, like, Jose Ramirez or something, you know? <laughs> so... Um, you know, guys like Quan, like I, I, you know, these these guys aren't promised anything. They aren't guaranteed anything. So, uh, I think I think the guys who can turn the hot start into like two months of good production, those are the guys who are going to be hitting at the top of the lineup um, in in the summer months. Uh, so I, I feel like it's very much uh, left to be determined. Yep. And then uh, mentioned a couple couple more closers or potential closers. I'll say. Um, I, maybe, maybe neither are closers, but you had, you had written up Michael Givens a little bit because on Thursday he actually got a save. So it was sort of like, well, does David Robertson really have the, uh, <laughs> hold on the, uh, the saves, uh, the closer role there for the Cubs. And then on Sunday, you know, Robertson got, got the save. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it was a matchup thing, you know, with Givens or something like that, but it does look like Rob Robertson's still the, the, the closer there for the Cubs. And then for Emilio Pagan, you know, it, what's funny, I was just looking at, like, the game log for the Twins, and they haven't had a save situation yet at all. So, and you, you mentioned in your article, which is right, like, he came in in an 8-4 game, and basically the only, like, real kind of almost closer-esque, you know, situation to kind of close out a game. So it could be that Pagan is the guy, and you, you wrote about him. He's 8% rostered. I think he's still, like, 8 or 9% rostered. So that's a guy where if Pagan actually gets a, gets a save, people are going to jump on him. I think pretty quickly. So you might want to just beat the waiver wire and go ahead and add him. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't think he's going to become the exclusive closer. I, I don't think the twins are going to have a set closer. Uh, that was part of the reason I think that they were fine trading away. Taylor Rogers is that they, this is not a team that philosophically believes in having a closer. So 
you know, Rocco Baldelli. I just, I don't think that's really what he's looking to do. Um, but I do think that Pagan is probably going to lead the committee. Uh, I think he's got veteran experience. He's a right-hander. Um, I just, I, you know, I don't know. I, I sort of just see him as the leading candidate at this point. I, you know, I think, uh, Duffy pitched in the seventh inning at the game. I was at at Fenway yesterday. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's where I see it going, but, um, you know, people are very excited about, uh, Johan Duran. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but uh, he's got, you know, really nasty stuff, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be closing. I think there's a little bit of wish casting going on with Duran right now. You know, people are saying it's only a matter of time till he is the closer because he's so dominant. And it's like, no, there's only one person whose opinion about that counts and, and it's not you. So, um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I see Pagan as probably the, the leader of the committee right now um, for Minnesota. For for the Cubs, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, David Robertson was was presumably rested enough um, that in that game that Givens came in and got the save. So, right, I don't. I just think this might be a situation also where there's not one closer. It's more of a committee, and um, I would say Robertson is certainly the preferred option at this point. But um, I'm not sure it's such a slam dunk that. It, it fully explains the the discrepancy in in roster percentage because Robertson is rostered in seventy five percent of Yahoo leagues and Givens is in ten percent and uh, I feel like maybe it's like a two to one ratio of saves we'll get uh, going forward in Robertson's favor. Yeah. Well, um, anyone else? Oh, you know, I was just looking at the transaction trends on Yahoo and I thought it was interesting that Michael Lorenzen was like the second most added player after Andrew Heaney. And he's, he just got touched up a little bit in Houston. Only only lasted three and a third inning. So I'm mm-hmm. sure he'll be back to the uh, waiver wire in most leagues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that was chasing last week's uh, yep. performance a little bit. I, I I don't really trust Lorenzen too much. Um, and also, yeah, uh, yeah. I just I don't think there's enough track record to really go on there. Um, yeah. I did want to – the one other guy in my column that we haven't talked about yet is uh, – there's another one I might butcher the pronunciation of. Tyro Estrada of yeah, the I Giants. Thought, I, I haven't heard his name. I thought maybe it was Tyro, but I don't know. Tyro? It could be. I, I don't know. That sounds like a like a toy company or something. Tyro. <laughs> Tyro? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like Hasbro or whatever. Tyco. Um, Tyco. There you go. That's what it most sounds like. <laughs> uh, but this guy – this guy's uh, – He's actually done even better since I mentioned him in the article. So um, his his roster ship percentage could be could be on the rise uh, a little bit. Um, let's see, he is now at eighteen percent rostered. Yeah. Yep. So when I wrote the column, he was at five. <laughs> so that's a pretty big jump, actually. And you know, he's got second base shortstop and outfield eligibility in Yahoo, which is a pretty useful player. Oh, he hit. He had a. Home run in four RBIs uh, yesterday. Yep. That's why <laughs> that gets people's attention. Yeah, <laughs> um, but even before that, uh, you know, I kind of liked him because he's 26 years old. He's on a team in the Giants that seem to find gold everywhere they look, right? And uh, he started every single game uh, so far for San Francisco. Uh, last year, he hit 16 homers and stole seven bases in 102 games between AAA and the Giants, uh, and also showed solid contact skills, which suggests he can hit for a decent average. Um, he's already has those two homers and a stolen base this season. Uh, I just, 
I don't know. He's he's way under the radar, but I feel like he's he could be one of those useful players, if for nothing else than like that bench guy that you can kind of plug in anywhere you want uh, in daily lineup leagues if um, somebody's sitting or if a game has rained out or something like that. Yeah, and I'm just looking. You know, he came up with the Yankees organization. He was man. He was in the minor leagues for a long time, and so maybe he was just a little bit buried over there before coming over to uh, to San Francisco. You know, like maybe he just didn't get much opportunity to ever kind of get the call up and get the plate plate appearances. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, not someone who was even on my radar, but I did see him at the bottom of of your article there. So added him to my watch list. <laughs> yeah, I think with some of these names, it just is. It just kind of goes to show that like baseball's kind of gotten crazy in <laughs> the last few years like i feel like when i used to play fantasy like you know seven ten years ago like mm-hmm. it was a lot more predictable in terms of which players were going to be good every single year and uh guys would always sort of regress to their career averages and uh it just seemed to it all seemed to make more sense now you see guys completely fall apart you see other guys break out at age 33 or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. You see guys who are career minor leaguers finally get called up at 26 and become really good players right away. It's just, it just seems much more unpredictable. Of course, the bullpens are way more unpredictable now as well. Yeah. Um, the, we don't even know what kind of ball we're dealing with. Is, the, is it juiced or not? Like it's changing every year. You've got the COVID stuff. You've got, there's just <laughs> so many crazy things that have gone on. Now the universal DH is changing things. So yeah. it's become a lot harder to predict which players are going to be valuable year in and year out. And that's why I've become a little more open philosophically to just sort of giving some guys a chance. You know, that's what I talked about with Owen Miller. Just give these guys a chance. See what, see if they're, if they're producing right now. You just, you just never know. Maybe, maybe it's a breakout that no one saw coming. Yeah. And you know, just when you, you know, in a couple of years, Andrew, you'll have it all figured out and then it'll be like, all right, now it's robot umpires. They're gonna throw something <laughs> else at you. <laughs> Be like, well, I oh, mean, I made on. a robot pitcher in in my factory, so why not robot umpires? <laughs> That's true. We'll just be just watch all robots playing baseball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'm about spent on my waiver wire p- uh, pickups. Unless you have anyone else you'd like to uh, nominate. No, I think that's it for me tonight too. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, please do. Uh, check out our website, rosrankings.com. We'll have uh, a new set of rest of season rankings later this week. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Seifter. And you can follow me on Twitter at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.